0: Welcome to Hope Plus, the podcast for Hope Community Church. If you're a new listener, we encourage you to check us out at hopecommunity.ca or find us on social media. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the friends and family who are here for the baptism. We're in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Ruth, this tiny little Old Testament love story. And uh, if you weren't here last week, we looked about the way, and looked at how God is sovereignly orchestrating His plans through ordinary events to bring healing to a broken family and healing to a broken nation. And this morning, we're going to pick up right where we left off in Ruth chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. Or if you have your phone, scroll with me to Ruth chapter 2. And if you don't have your phone, which is hard to believe, the words are on the screen. We're going to read the first nine verses, and then jump down to 17. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is a Moabite woman who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the fields and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the harvesters are working, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and had mounted to an Ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law... "'how much she had gathered. "'Ruth also brought out and gave her "'what she had left over after she had eaten enough. "'Her mother-in-law asked her, "'Where did you glean today? "'Where did you work? "'Blessed be the man who took notice of you.' "'Then Ruth told her mother-in-law "'about the one at whose place she had been working. "'The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz,' she said. "'The Lord bless him,' Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. "'He has not stopped showing kindness "'to the living and the dead.' She added, that man is a close relative. He is one of our family guardians. Well, Caden works in the area of excavation, and I thought I would open with an illustration, the only illustration I know of that connects to it. When I was 17 years old, for a very short period of time, I delivered rental equipment to people doing renovations and landscape work. And on one particular day, I was delivering a mini excavator to a homeowner who happened to live on a hill, and he had a very long, steep driveway that went up to his house. And so I backed this truck up with a trailer that had the backhoe on it, and I got to his front door, and then I started pulling this little excavator off the back of the trailer. And when I did that, the weight of the excavator lifted the back of the truck off the ground, and so it was like a V. And then the truck, trailer, and me with the excavator started sliding down the driveway. And I did the only thing my 17-year-old brain knew how to do, which is jump off the excavator. And I hit the ground, and I looked to my horror as this truck sped into, with the trailer and excavator, through the front flower bed, over the mailbox, and smashed right into the homeowner's car, which was parked on the driveway, or the road. I told you, I only had the job for a short period of time. <laughs> Here's what happened next. The homeowner, fairly large man, comes over to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, it's okay. We'll sort this out. It's just a car. We walk down his long driveway, start cleaning up some of the debris, try to put the mailbox back in the ground. And then I finally get set up and I drive the truck, which is still drivable, back to the shop. And I'm like so afraid, not just because of what just happened, but because my boss was not the most patient man. So I'm driving back to the shop and when I get there in the driveway, he's already walking fast towards me and I'm nervous. I get out of the truck and he says, I just got off the phone with the homeowner. He told me not to get mad at you. He told me that it's not your fault. The trailer's underrated for the way to the excavator and that he's not going to press charges over all that happened. I was so relieved. I mean, this total stranger could have yelled at me, could have made my life difficult, my boss could have fired me, everything I was imagining could have gone wrong, and this total stranger chose to be kind. In that moment, driving that little excavator in that short season of my life, I experienced unexpected kindness. Now, the reason I share this story is not just because it connects to Caden's life and excavation. It's because Ruth 2 is all about unexpected kindness. In fact, there's a repeated word that shows up in the book of Ruth a few times, and it's the Hebrew word hesed. Now, it's one of those words that has no direct translation to English. It can mean loyalty, it can mean faithfulness, it can mean compassion, and in the book of Ruth, it is continually translated as kindness. And in the book of Ruth, we need to know that one of the major things that we see happening is God showing His kindness to this outsider family that is poor and in great need. And as God shows His kindness to them, it shows up through ordinary people expressing their kindness. God is working in and through ordinary kindness to reveal His provision, His love, and His kindness. That's what's happening in our chapter. Now, Route 2 is broken up into three sections. There's sort of three scenes. The first scene, introduction to Boaz and the first three verses, Verse 13 to 17 is the interaction between Boaz and Ruth as she works in his field. And then the final scene is Ruth and Naomi debriefing and talking about this guy named Boaz in general. It starts by letting the reader know that Boaz just happens to be part of Naomi's husband's extended You know, you'll notice in the book of uh, Ruth, there's always this, as it turns out, it just so happens. Well, in the family, it so happens that there's this guy named Boaz, and we're going to see how Ruth lands up in his field. But what matters about these first few verses is um, Boaz is described as a man of standing. Different translations will say he's a man of worth or a man value or a man of wealth because all of those things capture Boaz. He is a man. He owns fields. He has his workers. He is a man of good standing because his character is known. He's highly respected in his community. And we're going to see for the rest of the story, really, how Boaz illustrates the nature of his character. Scene two then starts, zooming in on Ruth. Remember, Ruth is this Moabite woman who left everything to follow Naomi back to Israel. And Ruth, like many immigrant women, she came ready to work, to provide for her family. And the first thing she does is what? She goes to the fields and she starts gleaning. Now, do we know what gleaning is? Gleaning is not a common word in our day. And I'll just give a bit of background on it. Uh, There was a command that God gave His people in the Old Testament, called The Gleaning Command. And I'll read for you a passage from Leviticus. I'll just say, you really get a sense of the heart of God in this passage? He says to his people, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather gleaning of your harvest. And then about vineyards. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Here's the point. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Don't you love that law? God who's like, I love the foreigners poor in your community so much that you're not allowed to use all your crops. You're not allowed to pick all your grapes because I want to use that to care for those who are vulnerable. Our God has a heart for the vulnerable, and His laws reflect that. Now, we don't know how often gleaning was practiced. There's a very good chance that very few farmers did it. And also, gleaning is very dangerous. Here's why. Often, it would be a single foreign female, like Ruth, in a field of Israel workers And the women who are working there have no protection under the law. Uh, The workers there might not be good people. They might take advantage of this woman. And you even see Boaz saying to his workers, don't you touch that woman. You take care of her because gleaning isn't safe. And so Ruth is putting herself in a vulnerable position as a single foreign female worker. But it just so happens that she lands up in whose field? Boaz's field. And we get a sense of Boaz's character right away when he walks to his farm, he goes to his field, he says to his workers, the Lord be with you. And they respond, and the Lord bless you. This guy sounds like a pastor, right? And Boaz then sees this woman working in the corner of his field and he goes to his overseer. You know, this is before Facebook scrolling and, you know, stalking people on social media. He goes to his overseer and he's like, who's that woman over there? And the overseer gives this report of Ruth. He says, you know, she left her home. She was committed to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's working to take care of her. She asked for permission to be here. Boaz takes this information, and then he goes to talk to Ruth. And uh, in this next section, you really get a sense of this unexpected kindness. Four particular ways Boaz expresses the kindness he has. He expresses this, this character that wants to care for someone. So let's take a look. The first thing Boaz does is provide for her. He says to Ruth in verse 8, Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink from the jars of water the men have filled. And you get a sense here that Boaz is seriously thinking on her behalf. He's not thinking as a wealthy landowner who has his needs met. He's thinking, here's a woman who left everything. How can I care for the basic needs that she has to meet? And that's how he can do it. But then in the next verse, we get the why. Like, why is Boaz doing this? And we see in these next verses this sense of his second act of kindness, which is to pray a prayer of blessing over her. Boaz realizes it's not just he who has good character, it is Ruth herself. And he says to her, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law and since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. And so here's the prayer. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I love that prayer. And you want know something cool about this prayer? Boaz is just being a kind person. He's praying a prayer blessing over Ruth, and what he doesn't know is that God is going to use him to answer his own prayer. Isn't that a wonderful part of the story? Boaz is just praying, hey, may the Lord bless you. You've come to this land, you've sacrificed a lot. And what he doesn't even know is that God's going to use his land ownership, his fields, his role as a guardian redeemer to bless Ruth, to bless Naomi, and to give a king to his people. And don't be surprised, by the way, when you're praying for someone. You're concerned for them, and you get drawn into the plot, and it's your acts of care and kindness that God uses to bless, protect, and to take care of. Well, if those two things weren't enough, the next step of kindness for Boaz is hospitality. He says to Ruth, hey, Ruth, at the end of the day, come join the people who work for me. We're going to have a meal together, and I would like for you to have some food. And even more surprising and subversive, In the ancient Near East, it would often be, perhaps almost always, it would be the poor women who serve the wealthy men. That's just how it would go. And in this story, if you look closely, what does Boaz do? He serves Ruth. And I have to think there's some women who work there, and even the men who work there are saying, what is going on here? Like, this guy is either smitten, you know, he's going a little over the top, or he really genuinely cares for this woman who has given up everything to be in his fields. And he wants her to know that she's welcome and that he's going to take care of her. And then finally, this sort of finishes the second scene. You know, Ruth goes back to the field to glean, and Boaz says to his workers, don't just let her glean on the edges of the fields. That's a little further. Make sure that she can collect from the sheaths of barley. And that's a really big deal, because the people have already done the work, they've collected them, and Boaz says, Ruth, she can actually collect from the work that you've done, and that means she can collect way more barley. And so at the end of scene two, we're told that she goes home with an ephah of barley, and that's... Scholars estimate between 20 and 50 pounds of barley. And I don't even know if I could carry as much as she did home. But that brings us to the final scene of this story where Ruth goes back to Naomi. And you can just picture the scene for a minute. Naomi probably sees Ruth come home, you know, and she sees like 50 pounds of barley. And she's like, where did you work? (laughs) What were the circumstances that led to extra food from the meal and 50 pounds of barley on your first day of gleaning? And Ruth's like, well, there's this guy who just happens to own this field, and his name is Boaz. And that triggers a really important uh, verse in this passage, verse 20, where Naomi says, the Lord bless him, Naomi says to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. And then she adds, this man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now, two important things to note, that word, Kindness is Hesed. That man has not stopped showing Hesed, compassion, faithfulness, and kindness to our family for the living and the dead. And then, of course, this addition it just so happens that the field you went to to glean belongs to this family relative who's one of our guardian redeemers. Now, if uh, we're probably not familiar with that phrase, guardian redeemer, we're going to come back in the next couple of weeks, but just some quick backgrounds. In the ancient Near East, Within Israel, within a large family clan, there was a person who was called the goel or the redeemer. And their job was to make sure that their people were being taken care of. That their needs were being met, that they had their food and water. If someone fell into difficulty, they would help. If someone ran into debt, they would help pay it off. And often what happened, if someone had major debt, they would fall into slavery. You'd become a slave to a person in order to pay off your debt. Well, in those circumstances, it's the redeemer, the guardian redeemer, who would step in and whatever cost was needed to be paid, they would pay in order to buy that person back the freedom and bring them into the family. And isn't it interesting that Boaz happens to be the guardian redeemer for Naomi and Ruth as they come back to Israel? Now, I don't want to steal Jonathan's sermon next week, but let me just say this. I hope you can see some foreshadowing of Jesus in this passage. Do you see it? How is Jesus described in Galatians 4? The Redeemer. Jesus comes to rescue people from slavery, not just to debt like actual financial debt, but slavery to sin and slavery to death and temptation to Satan. And Galatians 4 describes Jesus as this kinsman redeemer who shows up for his world and for his people so that he can buy them back and bring them into his family. Charles Spurgeon has done a lot of work connecting the book of Ruth to Jesus. And I want to read a quote that comes from him that just connects some dots, and we're going to fill these in even more in the next couple weeks. He writes, "'As Ruth found favor in the eyes of Boaz, so we find favor in the eyes of Jesus.'" As Boaz was considered a man of standing among his people, Jesus stands above all other men. Boaz was a near kinsman to Ruth. Jesus took on flesh to become our near kinsman. Out of his love for her, Boaz was willing to redeem Ruth. Out of his great love for us too, Jesus was willing to redeem us, and I will add, at a great cost. Now I can't say these words without pointing to Caden and saying, this morning we are witnessing in real time the redeeming work of Jesus Christ extended to someone in our church. We're witnessing in real, yeah. <laughs> witnessing in real time the work that Jesus has done through his death and resurrection being extended to someone. And I want to hear, I want to say this right. He is being bought back from slavery to sin and death into the family of God. Praise the Lord, Caden. And let me now connect that to our passage. It's okay, Bill, you're allowed to clap. (laughs) One of the key things in our passage is this word has said, this word kindness. And you should know that Ruth and Boaz are these very rare personalities in a very broken, turbulent, rebellious time. There's these shining characters, but they are the odd ones out. In the Old Testament, as we look at the story, it is full of rebellion, of violence, and people who do not love one another. And then Jesus comes to redeem, to buy back, and to rescue those to Himself so that they can reflect the hased, the kindness of His Father. You know, what Jesus does as He reaches us is He makes us fully human. And you know what happens when we become fully human again? We reflect the character of God, the kindness of God. And it seems to me, as I reflect on Caden's story and as I reflect on Ruth chapter 2, that as I said, the way we experience the kindness of God is not some vague sort of intangible thing. It actually shows up in concrete acts of kindness through other people. Is that not true for you? Think about your own story, how you came to faith, how you grew up, the people in your life, what made you actually decide to be a Christian and follow Jesus. I'm going to wager a guess that that involved a number of people, perhaps a pile of people showing you kindness. And then God, who is sovereign and loving and generous, weaving your life and their lives together such that you see His love in tangible, concrete ways through the kindness of others. Is that not true for you? I know it's true for Caden. You just shared that. and I know it's true for me. But I think the way we see the hand of God is through the love and the kindness of others. And I just wrote down... A few examples that actually all come from real life uh, situations in our church, in our community. Perhaps the way you've experienced the kindness of God is actually through the listening ear of a close friend when you are going through serious crisis and mental health challenges. Perhaps for you, this time you've seen the kindness of God is when someone opened their home to you for the very first time when you've moved to a new country and you know nobody in this place that is Canada. Perhaps it's you being someone who's struggling financially and not really sure what to do. You experience someone opening their home and having a meal with you when you're having a tough time. Perhaps it's the sacrificial generosity of someone who actually pays off your debt, your financial debt, because you've made some serious mistakes, your company has gone bankrupt, and you desperately need help. And it just so happens that someone shows up in your life who can. Or perhaps it's a thoughtful person in the church who sees that you've just had kids, or let's say twins, I see some twins in the back, <laughs> or you've just gone through surgery and you're not really able to make meals, and so meals show up for a month or two because those people realize you don't really have the capacity to cook for yourself, and at your doorstep shows home-cooked meal, what a gift. You see the kindness of God. Or perhaps it really is the first time you've ever experienced forgiveness and grace it was through someone in the church who you hurt, and they said to you with the fullness of their heart, I forgive you. In all of these ways, which might feel small to us in the moment, God is weaving together these circumstances such that you see and taste and experience the goodness and kindness of His heart through human people in your life. And Caden, that's your story. So I was listening to you share your testimony on the stage. I was so struck by how it's the ordinary events of trying to leave the church looping back to the church, tried to leave the church again. There's something like very biblical about this. Three times you looped around 68th, and you got stuck back in our parking lot and then had the guts to call the church and totally creep Natalia out. We were like, can I come into the building? Natalia's like, sure. He's like, okay, I'm actually in the parking lot already. I'll be there in 13 seconds. And then the ordinary acts of you coming into this building and Val, where are you, Val? Val just walking up and talk to you, listening to you sharing with you, sitting at a cross, literally a physical cross, and you bring your pain to the cross, and she's listening, we're praying, you're looking at the Scriptures together, then Jonathan shows up and starts sharing with you more of the Scriptures and what it means to follow him. It's the ordinary stuff of Christians being kind that leads to conversions like this. In fact, so much of your story is very ordinary, and yet here we are celebrating the tangible grace of Christ through ordinary human acts of kindness. And maybe it's worth turning that into a question for us as a church family. Are there people you're praying for right now, perhaps in a vague, general sense, that God might be saying, it's time for you to be pulled into the plot. It's time for you to use your money, your time, your talents, your competencies to care. And don't be surprised when it's your ordinary life, your ordinary words, your ordinary forgiveness that God uses to show his kindness. Because Ruth 2 in the end is all about the hased of God. It's all about his kindness showing up in ordinary ways. And what Jesus has come to do in the church is to create a community that is so full of his resurrection power. So full of the life of the spirit that what comes out of this community from Monday to Friday is the kindness that we've experienced in Jesus. Shown in ordinary ways to those around us. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we praise you for being sovereign and in control and for the way that you have showed up in our lives in kindness. We praise you for the testimony that Caden has shared about how he's experienced that. And through that has come to know Jesus as Savior and life. Lord, would you enable us to see how we can care for those around us, particularly those who are struggling and vulnerable. We ask that you give us eyes to see the need, the capacity to care and make the time for those around us. And Lord, would you use us to bless and show your kindness such that many people in our city, in our community, and our workplaces come to know Jesus through us? And to that end, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you change us by the power of your resurrection? So that this community is one that is filled with Hesed, with your kindness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.